morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together, one chapter at a time, and we're reading the Bible even when things go wrong, like things like the Internet going out. <laughs> so thank you for bearing with us and for your patience. We're looking at Isaiah again today, looking at Isaiah chapter 33, and this is a, this is a neat chapter. It's got several parts. You've got a, a little oracle of woe. You've got um, a little kind of proverb. You've got a, a little psalm in here, right? We just did a psalm yesterday. looked at Psalm 28 with Pastor Parviz today. There's another little psalm here in Isaiah. Um, you've got a little proverb. You've got an, another kind of oracle. So it, it, lots of little pieces here. And so the question will be, how do you put these things together here? And to answer that question and some others today, we've got Pastor Rolf today, pastor of Trinity Lutheran Church in Sydney, Montana, and also of St. John Lutheran Church in Fairview, Montana. Good morning. Welcome, brother. Good to have you with us. Thank you. It's good to be here. Yes, here in that sort of um, expanded virtual sense. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> How are you guys faring in uh, Sydney and Fairview, Montana. Well, pretty good, pretty good. We just got a nice snow last night, so everything is white and uh, beautiful outside. So we're ready nice. for our six-month winter. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like so, uh, bunker down and you know, get out the the hot the hot beverages and blankets and yeah. <laughs> Very good. Well, yes, Isaiah 33 here, um, like I was saying in the introduction, I mean, there's a lot of different pieces here and uh, different translations and commentators, they all have different ideas on, on how you're supposed to put them together, right? Yeah. Yeah, it seems that way. But it'll be interesting to get your take today, and we'll, uh, the two of us, try to make, make the best of it as we look at these things. Let's go ahead and jump into it, since there are so many parts. And as we do, would you say a prayer for us and for everyone listening? Sure. Let's, let's pray. Lord God, you promise to sanctify us by your truth. As we read the word written by the prophet Isaiah, the word that you gave him to write, we pray that you would sanctify us by your truth. Your word is truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so let's go ahead and just read the first verse here, and maybe that'll uh, just be good to help us consider, okay, how are, how are things starting off here? In Isaiah chapter 33, maybe we can think about how this uh, logically follows what we read in Psalm, uh, or not Psalm, in Isaiah 32. So here's just the first verse, and we can kind of answer some of those preliminary questions. So here's verse 1. Ah, you destroyer, you yourself have not been destroyed, you traitor, whom none has betrayed. When you have ceased to destroy, you will be destroyed. And when you have finished betraying, they will betray you. All right. So just there it, there it is, kind of its own little thing. It's, uh, it's not really clear who this is talking about. And uh, there's kind of a lot of different people who it could apply to, right? Yeah. 
Uh, I think Luther says Assyria is who he is he is addressing here. But yeah, uh, I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, well, certainly. I mean, this is just kind of the nature of conquest, right? Like, if you're gonna b- betray and use, um, you know, cunning and deceit to seize power, that's pretty much how you're going to fall from power. Um, you know, it's that that old uh, proverb of, you know, um, he who uh, sheds the blood of man by man shall his blood be shed. It just goes all the way back. You know, live by the sword, die by the sword. So, it could apply to basically any of the world's superpowers and, and empires. But I, I actually agree with Luther, though, that we've seen so much in Isaiah uh, 1 through 39 how the focus is on Assyria, particularly Sennacherib, uh, who laid siege to Jerusalem. And so it would seem to make good sense for that to be the case here. Yeah, but let's just say it's it this is a principle, uh, don't you think? I mean this is just the way the way it is. Uh I don't know, yeah. as we go through this chapter, it's like uh what Jesus said, whoever uh uh humbles himself will be exalted, whoever exalts himself will be humbled. That's mm-hmm. that's the way it is. You set yourself up right. as God and it's going to bring you down. I think you're right, and we see that in this chapter we have some moments where it feels like a proverb, like it's just kind of talking about this is just how it is. Um, we're going to see that like around verses like 14 to 16. It's just kind of talking about this is how this is how the world is. So I do think it is sort of like even if it's kind of Assyria is kind of maybe the one that's sort of in view. The idea is this kind of is just going to apply to everybody. Is is just timeless. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree, and that's what makes it something we can read today, and we see that this is uh, this applies to us uh, today in the 21st century. Right. Well, yeah, certainly in, in the 21st century, as we just, you know, we, we have kind of a, a dizzying world stage where it seems like there is a destroyer, or it would be a destroyer, seems like, in every corner of the earth, um, especially now when we have all these non-state actors as they're called, and so that's something that uh, is something on our minds. But then also, just you know, speaking cosmically, as the church, you know, like uh, Satan himself is not necessarily called the destroyer very often, um, but it wouldn't be a bad way of describing what he does. Um, you know, tearing things apart from the inside and causing division and strife and. Uh, through deceit and darkness, bringing ultimately destruction, and so uh, it is. It, it's not a. It's not a bad way of of actually kind of just looking at spiritual things and saying, you know, I mean, Satan himself is is a destroyer and a betrayer, but you know, he will himself be uh, destroyed and betrayed. Not necessarily that anyone's going to you know lie to Satan or trick him, but uh, in some ways. Satan is betrayed by himself and his own reliance on his power and his own wisdom. I I agree, and that's I think this this comes out clearly in this in this chapter, as we will see that uh, they are themselves the 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 enemy uh, destroys himself, and uh, and ultimately that's how that's how it works. I mean, if the if you're talking about Satan, he's he's the liar, and Jesus is the truth. And the lie right. destroys itself. 
<laughs> and and that's something that gives us a whole lot of comfort when it looks like the bad guys are winning and the good yep. guys are losing. We we just hold on to that. Right. You know exactly. And of course, that's um, that's you know, I, I really I have right now the image coming to mind from uh, Mel Gibson's The Passion of the Christ. How you know the, the whole movie Satan is. It, it seems like he's he's moving everything around to get you know Jesus to be. I mean, it's, it's a combination of things. On the one hand, it seems like he's trying to get Jesus executed, um, though he's causing Jesus he's trying to cause Jesus to lose faith along the way. But then, like once Jesus actually dies on the cross, he's like screaming and raging in hell, like that this has been done. So he's like he's like foiled by his own plan. This is a uh, this is just the, what we were talking about yesterday in Psalm 28. The whole hoist. Um, with his own petard thing that just it, it blows up in his face that by death, death is destroyed. Yeah, yeah. No, actually, that was. That was a very, and I haven't seen that movie in years. I should watch it again. It was such a riveting yeah. uh, experience. It was, yeah. That, yeah. 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 You know, it's been, it's, been, it's been a while. It's not something that you can, uh, it's, not, it's not a movie for, for watching casually, um, <laughs> frequently, I, it's it's like the movie Unplanned that I saw uh, not too long ago. It's it's one where you, uh, it's probably not the movie that you watch right before bedtime. It's one that you uh, you know you kind of got to prepare yourself for and be in the right frame of mind. Good good movies though, a lot of good things about them. Um, as, uh, as as you said, though, they, they are not for the faint of heart, though. Well, let's keep pressing on and see how this fits in with the context. You know, I mean, we, we saw in, in Isaiah 32, um, you know, that this whole idea um, in, in this previous chapter, kind of refresh our memory from, from last week, this idea of the scoundrels being deposed, and that even though that Assyria would bring judgment on Judah, it would be kind of reduced to a wilderness, there would be justice established. And so, it does make sense here to have this this little verse here saying, "Hey, look, Assyria is going to get what it has coming to it." You know, like a, a prophecy of reassurance and comfort, as you were saying. And then we switch over to verse two, advancing the idea. Let's read the next, uh, let's see, four four or five verses here. Oh Lord, be gracious to us. We wait for you. Be our arm every morning, our salvation in the time of trouble. At the tumultuous noise, peoples flee. When you lift yourself up, nations are scattered, and your spoil is gathered as the caterpillar gathers, as locusts leap, it's leapt upon. The Lord is exalted, for he dwells on high. He will fill Zion with justice and righteousness, and he will be the stability of your times. Abundance of salvation, wisdom and knowledge, the fear of the Lord is Zion's treasure. So, yeah, I mean, this is a, a little psalm here in the middle of Isaiah, right? Yeah. Yeah, it, it is. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a beautiful, it's, a, it's just an expression of, uh, of what we look to God for and what God gives us. And uh, um, salvation, wisdom, knowledge, and then the fear of the Lord, which, uh, uh, well, what is that, true true uh, piety, uh, the, the person who's been delivered uh, by right. God's grace. And uh, oh, this is a pretty psalm. Right. And, and, you know, just the mention of the fear of the Lord, I mean, we've seen that in so many times in Isaiah, that connection to Hezekiah, that 
in the time of Hezekiah that there would be fear of the Lord and that he would be, you know, God's but God's king, his Messiah, who in that time would have the fear of the Lord be his delight. And here it's described as Zion's treasure. Um, that that really fits well with, with, I think, Isaiah 32, right? Because there in 32, um, again, it was talking about that there would be, you know, destruction in Judah at the hands of the Assyrians. But what it, it say in verse 16, then justice will dwell in the wilderness and righteousness abide in the fruitful field. And so, you know, you have this idea that, you know, e- even though uh, the palace is forsaken, the populous city deserted, right, that's the description 32, that, you know, the, the true riches don't consist in the palaces. They consist in the treasure that is the fear of the Lord and the justice and the righteousness that's established by God. I think it really complements chapter 32 nicely like that. Yeah. Yeah, and it always goes back to, to something that's some, somewhat hidden from, from, from sight. You know, the, the, uh, if you're talking about the, the miracle of God's grace, uh, what he does in, in, in our hearts, and we, we, we think of this as being, oh, goodness, you can't see it, you can't advertise it. I just was uh, teaching a Bible class on First John at, at, mm. uh, at and and how you know he who's in you is greater than he who's in the world, and him who's in the world, yeah. and, and the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. But you see that uh, that this exaltation of the Lord and, and filling Zion with justice and righteousness, it's a beautiful picture of how God comes to us and and uh, and and brings to us salvation, brings us to faith, brings us to to fear him, to love him. And uh, it doesn't look like much, but the way it's described here, it is a beautiful thing. That's how God sees it anyway. Right. Well, yeah, I don't know. It, it's, um, and we were, we were kind of looking at this last time, or, you know, last week anyway, when we were looking at 32, that, I mean, yeah, Judah would be in a situation where it was not going to be as materially wealthy as it was under Uzziah or even Jotham or Ahaz. Like it was not going to, they weren't, weren't going to have all the traded goods from all over the world. It wasn't going to be, you know, uh, fruitful, like, uh, you know, fields and vineyards everywhere. Right. It was going to be kind of like camping out in a cucumber field. It was uh, one of the descriptions Isaiah used. So like, as you said, it doesn't look like much at times. Right. But when there's yeah. when there's peace, you know, when there's knowledge of God, you know, when there's the the peace that comes only through faith and peace with God, ultimately, I mean, that's that's more than all the other stuff could buy. That's exactly it. Yeah, that's right. So we have here now this first little verse against the destroyer. You know, perhaps kind of a Syria sort of typically um, or, you know, paradigmatically for just kind of the destroyer in, in all sorts of times and situations. You've got this little psalm here, um, trusting in, in God's goodness and the things of God, which, you know, as you said, might not look like much, but, I mean, really there's nothing better. Before we leave this little section and look at the next section now, um, what do you think of that little uh, metaphor with the caterpillar and the locust? Um, I, I, I'm always intrigued when I see like a mention of, you know, animals. Um, so like in verse four, your, as your spoil is gathered, as the caterpillar gathers, as locusts leap, it is leapt upon. Well, I think it just makes it uh, kind of vivid here. 
uh, if you're familiar, if you're familiar with caterpillars and locusts and, and uh, <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> how, they, how they operate, it kind of helps there. But um, yeah. though these things uh, yeah. uh, are, it's just, it's just what it does is, is it, uh, it brings into, into bold relief uh, the, the 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 nature of uh, of what's happening here of. Uh, and so he appeals to the, you know, the natural world here to, to show what's going on with people. Right. Well, yeah, no, and I, and I think though that part of the issue is when we read stuff like this, our, we kind of our eyes can glaze over because we're not familiar with this stuff. You know, most of us have not. Um, I mean, mo- most of us really don't even talk about locusts, right? I mean, I guess sometimes we talk about grasshoppers or maybe we think of kind of the little ones, but we're not kind of used to those big ones. I remember the first time that I, um, it was, this was interesting. It was actually in a Bible study that I was at and somebody brought in, it was, it was a preserved locust and like, man, that thing was big. And I, I did not realize, I did not realize for a long time that locusts are actually like the same thing as grasshoppers. They're different species, but that like in the middle East, um, especially you get these big ones. And what happens is when there's too many grasshoppers in a, in a given location, they actually turn into locusts and, and they change colors. They get bigger and nastier looking. Uh, they start, they change their behavior. They aren't, grasshoppers are kind of solitary, but as locusts, they become like swarming. And so they'll yeah. just, they'll come through and they just, they'll, blanket stuff and man like when you look up like pictures of this i mean it's scary it's just uh you, you look at like different fields or like the houses that are like near those fields and it's just they're just covered in blankets of these locusts so uh, you have this this image right um you know at the tumultuous noise people's flee when you're lifted up the nations are scattered you know this idea of like you no know, god the righteous arm of god is stretched out and it's like there's no hiding from him you know, yeah, like it's that, just that, he's gonna he's gonna get everything. Yeah, they, you're not gonna stop them, and uh, right. That's a help. That's a helpless feeling. You see these bugs. Uh, I can't remember the name of this bug. It was up there. It was up in the North Country there in Minnesota uh, several years ago, and just ate every single leaf off of every single tree. It was just wow. amazing. And they, it, it, amazingly, the trees didn't die. They came back the next year. But it was just something so powerful by all these tiny little creatures, you know. And uh, right, no, there's yeah, no stopping no. it. Yeah, well, yeah, isn't that kind of paradoxical too? It's like you, like how could such something little create so much devastation? But it's almost because they are little that it's so hard to stop them. Like, you know, try, good yeah. luck trying to catch locusts. But yeah, just the. The strength and inevitability of God's judgment. We got to go into a short break here, but everybody hang with us. We're looking at Isaiah chapter 33 here on Thy Strong Word. We'll be right back. This Tuesday, November 5th, 2019, KFUO Radio thanks our day sponsors. 
Rod and Phyllis Silger of Hoylton, Illinois. Rod and Phyllis made a gift to KFUO Radio in loving memory of her parents, Ray and Ida Hari, and in thanks to God for the blessing of loving Christian parents. Thank you, Rod and Phyllis Silger, for helping us share the gospel and for being today's KFUO Day Sponsors. Did you know that many LCMS military personnel and their families are unable to receive word and sacrament ministry due to the lack of LCMS chaplains? Ministry to the Armed Forces is looking for pastors who will answer the call to serve as a chaplain to provide word and sacrament ministry to the men and women who selflessly serve our nation. Find out more about this exciting ministry by contacting me, Chaplain Craig Mueller, at lcmschaps at lcms.org. That is lcmschaps at lcms.org. I'm Pastor Ken Bomberger. Join me weekday mornings at 7.15 for Orazio, your time of scripture, meditation, and music on KFUO, Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. everybody to thy strong word i'm pastor aj espinosa we're looking at isaiah chapter 33 and we're joined today by pastor rolf preuss pastor of trinity lutheran church in sydney and saint john lutheran church in fairview montana where they're uh, raring to go for six months of winter wow <laughs> tough tougher people up there i think <laughs> but oh, uh, yeah. here we're looking yeah <laughs> yeah uh, here we are looking at Isaiah chapter 33, and we were just looking here at these nature images um, of caterpillars and locusts, just talking about how it's just, you know, you think of how locusts just, they just swarm and just eat everything, or just, you know, caterpillars, just how they seem to just, they'll just chew through everything nonstop, um, just how much damage just a single caterpillar can can do. Um, that's certainly an image that might uh, that my daughters would appreciate. One of their favorite books is The Very Hungry Caterpillar. Uh, they know the power of something so small. <laughs> but uh, so we're going to move on here to the next section here in Isaiah. And uh, as we do, I want to make sure I invite everybody who's listening uh, live. If you want to call in, I don't think that the internet outage should have any problems. Uh, with that, if you want to call in at 1-800-730-2727, or you can also call 314-821-0850 if you're in St. Louis. So let's pick it up here um, at, at verse 7. Uh, now, this kind of, you know, the tone kind of changes here. Um, and let's go ahead and read uh, perhaps through, say, verse 13. Behold. Their heroes cry in the streets. The envoys of peace weep bitterly. The highways lie waste. The traveler ceases. Covenants are broken. Cities are despised. There is no regard for man. The land mourns and languishes. Lebanon is confounded and withers away. Sharon is like a desert, and Bashan and Carmel shake off their leaves. Now I will arise, says Lord. Now I will lift myself up. Now I will be exalted. You conceive chaff, you give birth stubble, your breath is a fire that will consume you, and the peoples will be as if burned to lime, like thorns cut down that are burned in the fire. 
hear you who are far off what I have done, and you who are near acknowledge my might. So, uh, I mean, this is a, it takes a little bit of a darker tone here. I mean, I think it complements the idea of, you know, those the caterpillars and locusts consuming. You know, uh, we did see the idea of, you know, the Lord uh, being exalted there in, in that little psalm of uh, verses 2 to 6. But this is just much more of an emphasis on the, the judgment side of that, right, and just how everybody, whether they're near or far off, whether they're in, you know, Bashan and Carmel or Sharon or Lebanon, um, there's just devastation. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, people put confidence in people, don't they? Uh, yeah. Their heroes cry in the streets, the envoys of peace weep bitterly. Uh, you have confidence in these people, but uh, no. I mean, covenants are broken, cities are despised, there's no regard for man, the land mourns and languishes. It's like uh, yeah, I'm thinking of that uh, that hymn line, uh, trust not in princes they are, but mortal earthbound they are. And right. Okay. And then, but then the Lord will arise. He will, he will lift himself up. We're not going to, we're not going to be the ones to lift him up. He's the one who's right. going to do it. So right. it, it's, it's con- the contrast between trusting in the flesh and, and in the Lord. It's, it's so, it's quite right. uh, vivid, I think. Yeah. yeah, and that's and that's a theme that we just keep seeing again and again in Isaiah, particularly dealing with God's judgment towards Jerusalem regarding their trust and their alliance with Egypt, right? And you know, we t- you know it talked earlier about those envoys from Egypt and Cush and how that was not going to pan out for Jerusalem, the, and it didn't. Um, you know, they were crushed and broken by the Assyrians, um, and, and and the Assyrians were just. Uh, all the more upset with Jerusalem and Hezekiah uh, for their attempt to rely on those people. And so was God, that God had spoken through Isaiah, hey, don't don't trust in princes, right, just as you were saying. Um, but, you know, be, because uh, he had, that was actually part of the reason why Jerusalem needed to experience that discipline and that judgment in the siege, so that they would finally turn their eyes to God, who was the only one who would save them. Yeah, it's uh, kind of a look at what struck me in reading this here is you look at verse 11, you conceive, yeah. you think something and give birth, what is it? <laughs> it's utterly, it's just nothing, it's useless, it, 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 yeah. it, it produces, and and then your breath is a fire that will consume you, so the, the, the total... Yeah impotence of, 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 of human effort that just simply turns back on, on itself. And uh, again, it's just uh, the contrast between uh, the conflicting faith, between trusting in man, in the flesh, in the glory of human achievement, and on the other hand, trusting in the Lord who, who delivers his people. Uh, doesn't look, and this is again going back to the idea of what do you see and what is true, right. and, and, and the prophet shows that uh, don't trust in appearances. It's not the way right. it appears. So. Right. Yeah, no, that, um, that line jumped out at me, too. Your breath is a fire that will consume you. I mean, that's a, 
that's a powerful image. Just the idea that like, you know, you're, you're, um, you know, you're, you're taking a breath, you're, you're breathing, you're thinking that that's a good thing. <laughs> I mean, you would think that's a good thing. Like you need to do that. Like, Oh, you know, I need to, I just need to take a deep breath here. Right. And you, and you sit down, you take a deep breath. Right. So you'll feel better. And like the, the, the you're breathing fire. And um, yeah. it's just like all, all of our attempts to kind of calm ourselves down or to rest ourselves up or to give ourselves a moment of peace or to recover our strength, those are the exact things that end up destroying us. I mean, just, uh, I mean, that is a very, again, going back to verse one, the destroyer being destroyed, right? Betrayed by his own betrayal. I mean, again, more of this uh, blowing up in your face kind of reversal language um, isn't is a very like powerful and scary way well it's like you said at the beginning of uh, of the thing here uh about uh, satan and 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 his designs and then just just everything he does i mean this is the greatest turnaround you know in of course in human history where he designs to destroy uh christ and of course in his in his apparent victory is his defeat and so right. you breathe out whatever it is you're breathing out is coming right back at you and destroying you so right yeah right yeah so i mean in in that sense you know in the case of jerusalem i mean yeah just just how you know all their you know, i mean i don't know all their different machinations i mean i mean really because we got to remind ourselves like all the way back you know back when it was um back when it was ephraim you know the northern kingdom and syria allying themselves right and um and Judah would not go along with it, and instead Judah, you know, wants to appeal to Assyria, and it's like, well, be be careful what you wish for. I mean, like, really, I mean, in, in some ways, you wonder to what extent that, you know, Judah brought the whole Assyrian problem on itself, you know, and, I mean, and wow, what words of condemnation then, you know, like, hey, you want to rely on heroes and rely on your envoys and rely on your covenants, like, those are the very things that are going to destroy you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just basically all goes back to the first commandment. It's uh, it's uh, trusting in a, in in a false god, and uh, it just comes back at you in spades. It's just the way it works. Don't know if you learn your lesson or not. Sometimes I wonder right. if we ever do. Well, no. I mean, certainly we need to continually be reminded, right? I mean, it's it's that old adage that we need to be reminded more often than taught something new. Um, yeah, but yeah, but yeah. So speaking of being reminded, right? So like right after this section um, you know, of judgment, there comes then a reminder, a kind of proverb of more of this sort of timeless truth here. Let's take a look here at these next three verses here in verses 14 through 16. The sinners in Zion are afraid. Trembling has seized the godless. Who among us can dwell with the consuming fire? who among us can dwell with everlasting burnings. He who walks righteously and speaks uprightly, who despises the gain of oppressions, who shakes his hands lest they hold a bribe, who stops his ears from hearing of bloodshed and shuts his eyes from looking on evil, he will dwell on the heights. His place of defense will be the fortresses of rocks. His bread will be given him. His water will be sure. So, yeah, just more of these kinds of truths that they seem like they're timeless and applicable to every situation. But, I mean, definitely 
they would have been very applicable in that particular situation, right? Because when you're talking about, as we've as I said before, a siege situation, the question is, you know, will you actually have enough bread and water to wait out the enemy in a right. siege, right? And then there it is, kind of that idea in verse 16 that, you know, the, the one who isn't taking bribes and, you know, plotting evil and bloodshed, well, that's the one who's going to be spared in all of this chaos. Well, you know, it's interesting. As I was reading this, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, okay, uh, is the prophet saying that uh, the people who can stand are, are standing before God by their good works, by uh, their walking righteously, despising gain of oppressors and not taking bribes and so forth. Is is the is the prophet is the prophet promoting uh, some kind of a oh almost a works a works righteousness here and then you stop and you and you consider no no what you have here is that when you entrust yourself to God you don't have to rely on your own efforts to 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 make things work for you. You just you just simply entrust yourself to God and hold on to what he says. Believe him when he says this is the life, the good life, the decent life. You know, we just celebrated All Saints Day, you know, and blessed are mm-hmm. and talked about the Christian life. And these are the people who God will take care of. He takes care of his children. And they don't need to figure out how to fix all their troubles. All they need to do is just follow what God tells them. Right. And he'll, he'll, yeah, he'll, that, he'll pick up on the details. Yeah, no, that's that's helpful, brother. I mean, to compare it to the Beatitudes, right? I mean, you know, when, when Matthew, right, or, or in Luke, for example, too, when he says, you know, blessed are those who are hungry, they will be filled. It's not as if, like, you know, the saints earn their food because they're hungry, right? It, or it's like... Ah, I see how hungry you are. You well, you certainly deserve a very nice chocolate cake for that sort of level of hunger. Like, I mean, it's not as if you know, like uh, the neediness of humanity is like what merits it or something like that, right? Um, it, it's rather. I mean, if, if I could put it this way, like we were talking about the that evildoers have this blow up in their face and this reversal happening, right? It's more like the ones who are taking a bribe and the ones who you know are speaking evil, right? They have that blow up on themselves. And then the ones who aren't doing those things are sort of the only ones left. And then by God's grace, they are given food and water and everything else. But, I mean, it's only because of God's grace. They didn't earn it. Well, you're right. And, and, and what, 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 the, what the prophet's saying here is that when you just simply, uh, you're, you're a child of God, you belong to him. This is, this is the life he has given you to live. And and do and just follow him. Don't worry about the bad guys winning, even though it looks like that's yeah. what's happening all around you. Because I'm telling you, they don't win. They're like you right. said earlier; they're hoisted on their own petard. That's the way it works. Right. But it's so hard for us when we see around us. Oh, you know, people talking about how the culture's collapsing and what's happening to us right. Christians, and everybody's picking on us. And of course. Right. It's, it's, I'm sure it's true, but who's who's the one who 
who's in charge and who's the one to whom we have entrusted our lives or who's the one who cares for us. Well, he's the one who will uh, take care of our bread and water and everything else. Right, right. Exactly. Going going back to what we read earlier, where was it? In, back, in verse, uh, back in verse 2, right? Oh, Lord, be gracious to us. We wait for you. Be our arm every morning, our salvation in the time of trouble. It's just this uh, Isaiah just reaffirming the the hope and the, the trust in God. It's it's interesting though, as, as he does so. Uh, I mean, it's an interesting image. You know, who shakes his hands lest they hold a bribe. Like you can you can kind of imagine like someone. You know, here they come with like you know the the wad of cash in their hand to like to give to you, and then you just kind of like pull your hand away, right? And then, um, you know, who stops his ears from hearing a bloodshed. You know, here comes somebody, like, and they're like, hey, they're going to whisper something in your ear, and you just, like, pull your head away, and you cover your ears, um, and shuts his eyes from looking at evil, right? You know, here, hey, look, check this out. We've got this. We've got this plan all laid out. Here's the blueprints, and you just, like, look the other way and cover your eyes. I'm reminded of those, uh, you know, the monkeys, right? The, <laughs> the, the That kind of uh, embody that, you know, see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, well, it's, uh, it is to be, you know, to be innocent. I mean, in the sense of not, not having to be so clever that you know how to work out all of the, all, all of the problems. You simply say, I don't want to know this. I don't want to participate in this. And, uh, so you, you just put yourself in the hands of God. That's all. And right. you don't worry about about uh about uh gaining for yourself uh what 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 well the those who reject God's word, they're always striving for what they will never actually be able to obtain. And I think this is really brought through clearly uh in these words. So you just simply entrust yourself yeah. Right. Yeah, that, that's that's helpful because I think that sometimes, I mean, that this sort of proverb or maxim is is mocked because it's like, you know, like what you're just going to stick your head in the sand like an ostrich or something like that, like, you know, hey, like open your eyes and you need to go into this like eyes wide open, right? And um, I, you know, I guess this is like kind of taken as like a kind of like I don't know prudishness or something like that, like you know. Like, oh, you're just going to try to, like, avoid looking at the messy stuff, but, you know, someone's got to deal with it. Like, well, no, that's not what's going on. What's going on is, as you said, it, it's it's this, it really, it's a realism that says, I mean, really, I think it's a strong realism um, that says, you know what, human nature is weak. <laughs> and, you know, if we see this stuff, if I hear this stuff, man, I'm just, I'm going to get sucked in. I'm going to go along with it. You know, I mean, this is the kind of realism that, you know, I think propelled Joseph, you know, just out of the building without his his robe, right? Like, uh, when he was running away from Potiphar's wife, he's like, I'm out of here because, you know, I know that human nature is weak. Staying or sticking around is a bad idea, you know? And, and so, like, there's a lot of wisdom and realism, and, like, I just don't even, don't, I don't even want to hear it. I don't even, don't even put that near my face. I don't even want to see it. I don't want to hear about it. I know what I'm going to do, well, yeah, unfortunately, on because those, of my uh, simple nature. Yeah, what Paul says about, uh, you know, uh, focusing on those things above where we are seated uh, at the right hand of God. I mean, Christ, right now, our, our place is in heaven, 
And yeah, we got all this garbage going on, and, and you can't avoid seeing it. But uh, you say, what what defines me and what determines my future and what is my life all about? Well, that comes from the Word, and the Word, of course, is Christ's victory over all, all, all evil. So we, we uh, it's not being naive, it's not even being not engaged, it's like you just right. said, it's being realistic. I mean, who who wins? Right. And, right. and exactly. uh, how does he Yeah. And what's interesting to me too though is that like this um this uh this this proverb or this like kind of like maxim, I mean it's uh it's one that's not even just unique to the Bible. I mean like you see it in like the Analects of Confucius among other places. Like it's uh I think there, this, this does go back to just that kind of common human experience that when you're real, like realistic again, th- there is just a kind of natural law uh, kind of idea that yeah, you know what? When when we are when we when we see and hear and enticed by this stuff, we we will fall and be led astray every time. And like the the best defense against it is just don't look at this stuff as you were saying, as the scriptures say you know, look and think on the things that are above, you know, like whatever is, you know, good and noble and all the rest, think about such things. Yeah. No, I agree uh, 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 with what you just said, that this is not unique to Christianity. Uh, uh, I think that only in the in, in light of the gospel does it fully uh, make sense, uh, because there you, you actually see the, 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 the pure victory of good over evil, and that would be... Right. The, God in Christ, but you do see the the idea of the whole concept of karma and 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 that you know you do this and that right. happens, and you talk right. to uh, that's that's natural law. That's just something I think you right. learn from looking at the world that you live in. Right, right. But as you're saying, even though natural law can show you, hey, those things you should not look at. What should you really look at? Like, and see, that's the part that we really only get in the gospel, and that's the part you get in verse 17. To the end, where this is what you should be looking at, namely the king in his beauty. So let's go ahead and read the last chunk here of the chapter and complete this thought. And we'll still have a, a minute or two to make some comments and observations. So here's verse 17 to the end then. Your eyes will behold the king in his beauty. They will see a land that stretches afar. Your heart will muse on the terror. Where is he who counted? Where is he who weighed the tribute? Where is he who counted the towers? You will see no more the insolent people, the people of an obscure speech that you cannot comprehend, stammering in a tongue that you cannot understand. Behold Zion, the city of our appointed feasts. Your eyes will see Jerusalem, an untroubled habitation, an immovable tent, whose stakes will never be plucked up, nor will any of its cords be broken." But there the Lord in majesty will be for us, a place of broad rivers and streams where no galley with oars can go, nor majestic ship can pass. For the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. He will save us. Your cords hang loose. They cannot hold the mass firm in its place or keep the sail spread out. Then prey and spoil and abundance will be divided. Even the lame will take the prey. And no inhabitant will say, I am sick. The people who dwell there will be forgiven their iniquity. So 
it, it's something that, you know, as we we're just saying, it, it really complements what we just read, this idea of, you know, hey, don't go along with the evil, you know, especially those people in Jerusalem. There were some people who had gone along with the whole idea of, hey, let's, you know, call upon Egypt and let's make some deals and let's make some covenants with some uh, people that really we shouldn't be associating with, really, even. And so it complements this, hey, behold the king and his beauty. And as much as that could apply to Hezekiah in the first place, Hezekiah, as he repents and turns to fear of the Lord, I mean, it does make clear even here that in verse 22, was it say the Lord is our king, ultimately? I mean, yeah. the, the horizons are, are big, that even though it says here, what was it? It was, it was in um, the, the verse that said, that's right whose stakes will never be plucked up, nor will any of its cords be broken. Well, I mean, bad news was uh, that temple was going to get destroyed, um, and it certainly That's did right. by the Babylonians, right? So the thing is, like, this is only kind of fulfilled with Hezekiah, but something bigger definitely needed to happen for it to be fully fulfilled. Oh, absolutely. When I read this, I see Christ, I see the Holy Christian Church, I see that, that, that Zion, that is... Uh, what do they call Missouri? Didn't they call it Zion on the Mississippi once upon a time? <laughs> where the Word of God is, where the Church of Christ is, is the Zion. And look at the way the chapter ends. Uh, yeah. And what is the heart of our Christian faith? What is the central teaching uh, that just gives everything meaning is is that that the forgiveness of our sins, the free forgiveness of That's sins. Right. I, I, I just look at the end of this, these verses you just read, and I say, this is a, this is the church, this is Christ, and this word here is for us. It's for us today. Yeah, yeah certainly. I mean, it's it's a it's a beautiful way to to end because I mean, it's just, um, well, I mean, like it says, you know, even the lame will take the prey. You know, it just complements so beautifully yeah. what we read for, you know, the observance of all saints with the Beatitudes, right? You know, like, we are, like, the right. poor and the sick and the weak and the lame, right, who have been, who who are healed and who are given strength and who are fed and who are comforted and clothed. You know, we we are not the ones who didn't uh, ever sin, right? It's not like, oh, God punished all the people who sinned and all the good, righteous people. Well, you know, those ones, you know, yeah, they're rewarded. It's, you know, the people who dwell there will be forgiven. You know, we, we are, yeah. the difference is that some are forgiven, and some have rejected the forgiveness. No, that's a, that is that's that's the critical difference that makes that makes all the difference right there. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, we only have like maybe sixty seconds left. Any any uh, remaining thoughts here? Just any kind of in conclusion here as we're looking at the conclusion. Well, I guess I just go back to uh, the idea of. Uh, uh, what is what is, faith and what what appears to be and what God promises and God doesn't he teaches us to look beyond appearances of failure defeat sin and and to look at his final uh, victory that the victory has already been won in Christ so that we Christians should put our confidence in 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 our Savior who has who has won this for us, and and not to be uh, afraid, not to be dismayed or or demoralized by right. uh, appearances. That's right. what right. I would take away from this. Yeah, 
That, that, thank you. That, that's helpful. I mean, really, really, the whole theme of seeing, right, just is tie, like just kind of ties everything together throughout. So, what are you looking at? The appearances? You're getting enticed by illusions, or are you seeing the King right. in His beauty, the one who forgives right. sins? So, right. Thank you so much, brother. Good having you thank on. You. Stay warm up there in uh, Sydney and Fairview, and God's peace be with you and uh, the congregations up there. Thank you. Yeah. Bye bye. Bye-bye. Everybody, this is Pastor Rolf Preuss, pastor of Trinity Lutheran Church in Sydney and pastor of St. John Lutheran Church in Fairview, Montana. Thanks for joining us today. We also thank our underwriters at the Lutheran Heritage Foundation, lhfmissions.org. Until next time, everybody, I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. Peace. You've been listening to Thy Strong Word, produced by the Lutheran Church Missouri Senate Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting by Strong Word.